And can we just do, can we do one big round of applause, too, for all those people that are doing breakout sessions this afternoon, all of those volunteers, everybody that have been doing stuff. Well, you just thank everybody so much, working so hard. And one more time, how, how about the Albrecht family? Are they not amazing? Are they not incredible? Just an amazing, big round of applause for Pastor Jeremy and Melissa, the family. Love them so much, love them so much. Um, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in the New Testament, and we're going to be dancing around a whole lot. So we're just going to be jumping from place to place. Uh, I want you to do the best you can to follow with me, but I want to talk to you here this afternoon before we send you on your way about protecting the dream. Okay, we talked about the power of the dream, okay, and then th this morning we talked about the promise of a dream. I want to talk to you right now this afternoon with the time we got left about protecting the dream. Do you understand that we, 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 determine, we determine something's worth by, by the value that we choose to place on it? That there might be things in your life that you think are worth a lot, but if I'm really not interested in those things, I don't really see them as having much value. But there are some universal things that we have all decided have some measure of worth. And so that's why we invest, you know, sometimes it's time and sometimes it's other things, but we have the tendency to invest, you know, money in the things that we have determined are, are, are worth something. So if we, if we care about how we present ourselves and we care about, you know, some of those, you know, maybe more materialistic sort of things, you know, guilty, uh, we, we, we'll invest and we'll, we'll spend, we'll, you know, will spend money on, on certain things. Uh, perhaps you're, you, know, you love your cell phone, and so you, you've got it wrapped in a case, and it's otter-boxed, and it's, you know, you've got three you know, glass shields on the top of it. Like Nothing is penetrating. <laughs> like, you, can, you can drop that thing just about anywhere, and it's, you're going to find it on your nightstand. You know, you've just invested so much. Into, we, we have the tendency to invest into the things that, that we've determined to value, and, and so we, you know, we, we determine these things with worth. For example, uh, I'm an only child. So I've got that going for me, so that's kind of sweet. Um, you know, hey, inheritance. And so anyway, um, <laughs> I think they spent it all, but whatever. And uh, so, but, but, so for my mom, like, you know, I was, uh, yeah, and, and, we're, and we're, we're still we're working on it. And so, uh, but like, so for example, uh, for a long time, I was a newspaper boy, okay? I was a, anybody have a paper route? Anybody's a newspaper? Do newspapers still exist? I don't even know if they exist. Anyway, uh, but I was, I was a paper boy. And, and so years ago, back in like, um, back in 1998, like, whoa, like, you know, Y2K, <laughs> so, I'm so old. So in 1998, um, I was a newspaper boy, and we had this crazy ice storm, okay, this crazy ice storm that kind of blew through eastern Ontario, you know, and all the power was out. Where we were in Brockville, like, the power was out for, like, a week, uh, but, uh, but the newspapers still needed to be delivered, you know, and I was just kind of riding the high of uh, being voted carrier of the year, the year before, so, you know, you had that going for me, and uh, so put that on the resume. And um, I actually did. And so, then, uh, I, I, so I, you know, I, I felt like I had a measure of responsibility. And, and you know, and, and so, uh, I, you know, I, I needed to follow through with this. And, I need, and so my mom, because she put high value in me being her, her one and only son, uh, before I would go to deliver the papers, you know, she would, like, wrap me up, you know, in swaddling claws and, and lay me at the front door. But she, like... All, like, snowsuits, you know, like, plural. Like, there were several snowsuits, you know. Put this on, put this on, put this. My mom, for, for this season, because she was so worried about her precious baby boy, she was so worried about me hurting myself. She made me wear golf shoes, okay, to deliver the newspapers because of all the ice and stuff. Right, and so, so cool, because there was, you know, other people that I went to school with that were on my route, so it was really great for, you know, the cafeteria. It was so good, and so, still working on it. And, uh, and, and she actually made me wear a hard hat, a hard hat. I know. Okay, so please pray for me. But, but this is the thing. But my mom would tell you, you're you're worth too much to me. Like you're worth too. And so she would, you know, do these things. She would invest in me. Listen, my my hope, my hope for you 
Uh, very quickly with the time that we have left, uh, you know, I hope that you would go to great lengths to protect the things that God has deposited into you. I hope that you would go to great lengths to, to guard, to protect, to, to wrap, to swaddle, to, to do whatever is needed to protect those things that God has deposited into you. And so we've talked about these dreams. And again, these, these dreams, they're not, they're not selfish. You know, these dreams are, are rather selfless. We understand we've all been called to the ministry of reconciliation. And so the dream and the vision that God has put in our heart needs to help to fulfill that. It's not about necessarily being on mission. But as we've talked about, it's about us doing our part to fulfill his great commission, the example that Jesus set for us. And so you need to go to great lengths to make sure that you protect those dreams that God's deposited into you. That you need to otter box those things. You've got to wrap those things up. You've got to put them in a safe place. And as Pastor Jeremy mentioned last night, you be very careful who you share these things with. You've got to be very careful who you share these things with, who you open your heart up to and who you share some of these dreams with. It's, it's really, really important. And so here's the deal. I think when we talk about dreams and we talk about, you know, some of these things, we need to, we need to kind of transition in our language. Where when we talk about dreams, we say, man, wouldn't it be cool? Man, wouldn't it be so cool if, and fill in the blank. Man, wouldn't it be so cool if we, like, sold everything and we just moved to Africa, you know, and we just, you know, live with the people and we just preach the gospel and all that stuff. Good for you. Like, I'm way too vain to do that. So we'll, we'll commission you, send you. Maybe we'll give you something monthly, you know, give us a call. Uh, but uh, I, I, no, I, I, not my thing, you know. So some, to me, it's not that cool. But, but we talk about these things. We talk about dreams. Wouldn't it be so cool if, you know, we, we bought this building and then we turned it into this and we turned it into that and we, we could make it into this thing. And wouldn't that be so cool? And that's the language that we use sometimes. And, and that's great. But I'd like to transition in language where we go, instead of going, man, wouldn't it be so cool? But, man, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be so bad? Wouldn't it be so bad if I didn't fill in the blank? So we translate, man, wouldn't it be so cool if? Man, wouldn't it be, man, wouldn't it just be, it would be, man, wouldn't it be awful if, if I didn't, if I didn't do whatever it is that your blank might look like? Where we start to put perhaps a little bit of pressure on ourselves to fulfill what it is that we know the Father is calling us to. And so I want you to know that if we're going to make sure that we fulfill those blanks that the Spirit of God continues to enable us to fill in, well, then you've got to go to great lengths to make sure that you you protect those things. So let's just, you know, there's so many characters that we could grab from the Bible, but I just decided we'd close off with Jesus. You've heard of him, you're familiar with, okay. Yeah. So, so Jesus, Jesus gets, gets sent down from heaven, eh? Talk about demotion, right, you know? Jesus gets sent down from heaven because God is so in love with you. Right, just let that set in. Because God has so loved you because he's just obsessed with the thought of you that he's taken the time to count all the hairs on your head. Okay? Kind of creepy, right? But that God is so in love with you that he was so jealous to have relationship with you that he knew that he needed to send somebody to make all that had gone wrong right, and he determined to send his son. And so Jesus comes to earth not just on mission, but to embody and to embrace his Father's great commission. That that which he would leave us with prior to his departure is exactly what we watch him walk in confidently and quite clearly as we read scripture for three years. And that he goes to great lengths to make sure that he protects that dream that had been deposited into him. Where the dream that existed within the heart of Jesus was actually to die. 
you know, if it came down, then send me to Africa instead, okay, you know. But, but he recognized, so, like this, I, I said it earlier today, this dream has less to do with you. It has more to do with, well, it has more to do with him. And so if the dream is self-seeking and if, if the dream is self-gratifying, then I want you to know that, well, that's more about your empire and these dreams need to be about his kingdom. And so Jesus comes to earth knowing what it was that he was sent to do, fully aware. And he goes to great lengths to make sure that he protects it. And there's a few things that I just want to leave with you here this afternoon that I would encourage you to carry with you so that you could protect the dream that God's deposited in you. And the first thing that I think you need to be mindful of is your posture. Okay, yeah, these things all start with P, right? We had the power, right? And then we had, you know, the promise this morning, and now we got protection, and then ta-da, and now, okay. So four things. First thing is this, it's your posture. Let's take a look at the posture of Jesus, okay, just for a moment. Jesus has come to earth, and he recognizes that he has a responsibility to be about his father's business and to do exactly what his dad has called him to do. No pressure, but it's to live completely sinless. <laughs> How you doing with that, Right? I just screwed up already. So, you know, <laughs> there it is, you know. But listen to me. That's, that's, that's the onus. That's the responsibility. And we're told that, that Christ himself was, was tempted in moments, but he didn't give in to that temptation. But even though perhaps there was moments where he felt the strain, again, fully God, fully man, that he was able to overcome that. And, and so in doing so, he was actually able to do exactly what it was that his dad had desired him to do and to fulfill the dream that he decided to adopt for himself. But he protected it. And he protected it first and foremost by adopting a posture, a posture that was worth replicating. I talked to some leaders here earlier where I, I said, um, what it is, however it is that you portray yourself, what you're actually doing, whatever you portray, you promote. Right? Whatever it is that you portray, you actually promote. And so if you're upset because everybody keeps showing up to your youth group, it's probably because you don't show up on time yourself. And, and if you're upset, you know, that, you know, your kids in your youth ministry aren't believing for signs and wonders and miracles, well, when was the last time that you actually led them to pray for those things? So the things that you actually portray, you actually, in turn, promote. And so Jesus, amongst anybody that chose to watch in this season, promoted a posture of submission and service and surrender to his father's business. So when it comes to protecting the dream that God has deposited into you, I need to encourage you to adopt the same posture that the Savior adopted for himself. So we see this, Jesus humbly allows John the Baptist to baptize him. Okay, that's the posture that we're introduced to. He's, he's humbly allowing John the Baptist to, to, to baptize. And we read in, in, in Matthew chapter 3 and into Matthew chapter 4, we have this indication of the posture of Jesus. And, and we see that he, he goes and grabs John. And, and, and John, who's responsible, John said this, there's a guy who's coming. I'm not worthy of even touching his feet. Like, I'm not even, I don't even deserve to be in the same room as this guy. And Jesus goes and finds John. And I just, I just love that there, you know, back then when it was simple because there was no social media, there was no competition that existed between Jesus and John the Baptist. John the Baptist had followers. John the Baptist had people that were, you know, thinking that he was the Messiah. And what did John the Baptist do? We actually read that some of the first followers of Jesus were followers of John the Baptist that John actually pointed towards Jesus instead. And so you just need to know this right now. This is just on the side. Okay, you can just write this down for free. Okay, it didn't even cost you anything this weekend. Okay, if you're a leader, your responsibility isn't to hoard these people to yourself, but to point them and to promote them to something greater. So listen, if your youth ministry is serving you and that, you know, if they're idolizing you and if they're falling down at your knees and worshiping you, you got a problem on your hands. 
Your responsibility as a leader isn't, isn't to build a following, but your responsibility as a leader is to point them towards the Father. John the Baptist, the first thing that he does with all the guys that follow, hey, 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 guys, forget me. There he is. Go and follow him. Pointing people towards Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. That one that's been promised, he's here, he's now. We look at Jesus' posture, he allows John the Baptist, he asks to baptize him. And then we have this season of tempting where, you know, Jesus goes through this, you know, where he's kind of whisked away by the Spirit. And we're told that he's tempted at different times by the, by the devil and with different things. And every time, what does Jesus do? He, he keeps this posture of, of, of submission and surrender. And, and he has the word hidden in his heart. I wonder how that happened. You know, probably spent some time, you know, I, I know he's God, so, you know, it's kind of like cheating. But, but you know, he's, he, he's, he's, he's there. And listen to me. If you're going to protect the dream that God has deposited into you, you need to keep this posture of, of service, of submission, of surrender. And and make sure that you're also hiding the word in your heart so that when things get difficult, you can, can just combat things with the truth. This is the example that we have in Jesus. I mean, throughout Scripture, he just continues this posture. He's sitting with people that no one else would sit with. He's eating dinner with those that no one else would associate with. You know, prior to his death and departure, he's actually washing the feet of his disciples, including the feet of Judas. When was the last time you washed the feet of the person that said that mean thing about you on Instagram? Or that unfollowed you? You know, because you paid the money for that app so you can find out all the people that apparently don't like you. I'm leaving soon, so I feel like I can just run for the door. I'm out of here. <laughs> but listen to me. Listen to me. That same posture helped to protect Jesus. So that what? So that he could embody, so that he could carry out, so that he could... Well, so that he could accomplish the dream. So I want to encourage you to make sure that you adopt the same posture. Here's the other thing that's really neat that we read about Jesus. Is he surrounded himself with, number two, a group of people. So we look at the posture of Jesus, and then we also look at the people of Jesus. That he went and he selected people to choose to follow him. They weren't people that looked like him. They weren't people that necessarily acted like him. They weren't people that everybody else in the crowd had chosen to associate with. Some of the people that Jesus chose made no or little sense to anybody else. But Jesus chose people that he knew were teachable and that were willing to follow him. In fact, when he calls the sons of Zebedee from the shoreline, you know, there's so many, the Bible's just so rich. There's this indication to us that the sons of Zebedee, when they were out fishing, and do, the fact that they had boats meant that dad had this pretty lucrative fishing business. You know what I'm saying? Like this is, they were making bank. They were doing quite well for themselves, okay? You know, they had on the brand new, you know, Yeezy robes and, you know, all that other stuff. And, but, you know, they, they, were do, they were doing just fine. And Jesus, Jesus calls them out of what it was that the world might think is, was good, and he calls them to something greater. And we're told that immediately, without even having a conversation with their father, they just choose to follow Jesus. He surrounded himself with people that were devoted. He surrounded himself with people that were, that were, that were risk takers. He surrounded himself with people that perhaps other people might not necessarily choose to associate with. But he surrounded himself with disciples. He had some good friends. And if you want to protect the dream, if you want to protect the dream that God's deposited into you, I need to tell you right now, you need to find some good friends. And if you don't have any, maybe try being one and see if it grows. <laughs> but if you're going to protect that which God's deposited into you, 
If you're going to steward the dream, and that which it is that God we know has certainly called and commissioned you to, if you're going to be able to be used to the fullness in everything that God has for you, make sure that you adopt the same posture that Jesus seemingly adopted. And also make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people that are going to promote you to greater things. Make sure that you've got some people in your life that are cheering you on. Make sure that you've got some people so when you show up and all of a sudden you don't feel as though that you have what's needed and necessary to feed the large crowd, they're, they're ready to go and shake it and steal it from a little boy so 5,000 can be fed. <laughs> but surround yourself with people that, that are going to encourage you, that are going to speak life into you, that are they're going to do some of those things. Find, find somebody that can, you know, at least a few. Find some people that you can call in your, in your weaker moments. Find some people... You know, and even these guys, like, they weren't perfect, right? There's moments where Jesus said, hey, could you guys pray for me? He goes away, comes back, they're all sleeping. Like, oh, my gosh, like, get some better friends, you know? But find some, be one of those people. Be one of those people for somebody else where you come alongside them voluntarily and help to protect the dream. Find some people that you can actually trust to share your dream with. Jesus explained to the disciples on a number of occasions everything that it was that he had come to do. And we see throughout scripture and as we read throughout the gospels, there's different moments where all of a sudden it seems as though the 12 come into the understanding and the recognition of, oh wow, maybe there's a chance that he's actually who he says that he is. Find some people that are going to choose to believe in you. Find some people that are going to readily come alongside you, that are going to pray with you, that are going to encourage you, that are going to affirm you. When we look at Jesus, there's several things that he integrated into his life that I think enabled him to accomplish the dream. We look at the posture. We look at the people. And then we also look at this one, and I have to explain this. We looked at, we, we got to look at the persecution. That amidst protecting the dream and amidst him going about and doing what it was that his dad had asked him to do, it, it, it wasn't always easy for Jesus. That in Mark chapter 2, when that man had just got lowered through the roof, right, and and he makes him well, and, and he senses in his spirit, scripture tells us that there was a group of people, you know, there was some, you know, some scribes, some Pharisees, there were some, there were some people that said, well, who is this man that thinks that he can do such things? And he says, oh, really? For my next trick, why don't you just get up and walk out of here? You're fine. You know, take that. Mic drop. I'm out of here. And then we, we keep turning, and we get to Mark chapter 6, and, and we read that Jesus, and actually returning to his hometown we find that he comes up against great opposition. That he, that he comes up against great opposition and we're told amidst that that, well, he wasn't able to do very many miracles there other than casting out some demons and healing some sick people. Like only, only, only Jesus does a few of those things count as a footnote, you know? Like, well, yeah, I healed a few people, you know, returned the sight to the blind, you know, there was that paralyzed guy made him well, but it really wasn't that great a trip, you know? Like, wow. But he came up against things. And I think some of the persecution that Jesus faced actually helped him to protect the dream. And I think if you and I could recognize those moments where we feel as though we come up against obstacles and see them perhaps as for what they could be in our life, it would perhaps propel us forward towards the things that we know God has called us to instead of causing us to look back at the things that we once were.
So the next time that somebody says something or somebody tells you what somebody else said or the next time you perhaps come up against a little bit of opposition, you know, the next time that perhaps you come up against a hindrance or, you know, somebody doesn't necessarily adopt all the ideas and great marvelous plans that you think that you have for your church or for your ministry or for whomever, listen, don't let that disqualify you, but rather that just, but rather look at it from a different perspective. That if you really are being obedient in the world that we presently live in, if you really are being faithful to do and to accomplish everything that God has called and commissioned you to do, you probably are going to come up against a little bit of opposition. And yes, it might even happen in the church. And it doesn't come down to who's wrong, who's right, or any of those other things. But if you are really living a protected life that is driven by the promises, that is operating in the power, that is moving in the direction of the dream that God has called you to, there is a good chance that you are going to come up against some things. But don't allow those hindrances to overthrow you. Don't allow those obstacles to cause you to throw in the towel. But rather use those things to propel you forward. And I'm not saying to move forward with a chip on your shoulder and just get real angry and just start blogging about it, because that's annoying. <laughs> but I'm saying you're in good company. If you feel a little bit misunderstood, so did Jesus. You feel as though that perhaps some people have classified you or quantified you as a radical? Yeah, yeah. So did Jesus. If you feel as though that perhaps some people don't quite understand, good, that's not everybody completely understood him. And I think that these things along Jesus' journey help for him to really understand, my goodness, it's happening. It's actually happening. And you know what's really neat when we come up against obstacles sometimes as leaders is it enables us to give opportunities to the people around us. And so here's what happens in that story where Jesus runs into this opposition in his hometown. Right after that, it kinda, he takes a little shot. It kind of hurts a little bit. And we're told that he goes and he gets away for a little while. Again, we look at the posture. He goes and he gets away for a little while, and he sends out the disciples in pairs. He said, I want you guys to go. And wherever it is that you I want you guys to do it. And so while Jesus is still on Great Commission, while Jesus is still going about fulfilling his father's business, he's actually using now these 12 friends, the 12 people that he surrounded himself with, and he's releasing them to go and do more. When you come up against something in ministry, when all of a sudden you don't have enough time, when all of a sudden you don't have enough energy, when all of a sudden you don't have enough finances, when you don't have enough, it's not always people that cause the problem. Sometimes there's just other things, life, stuff happens. Find some people around you that you can promote, that you can call great things out of, and allow this moment of obstacle in your life to release somebody else towards their dream instead. Hope you wrote all that down. I think that was pretty good. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> we look at Jesus' life, and there's a posture that he adopted. He, he surrounded himself with a group of people. There was a measure of persecution that he faced. Obviously, there's a big one coming, but there, there's a measure of persecution that he faced that actually propelled him. It actually, we see, we see a whole nother wave to Jesus' ministry after Mark chapter 6. A whole nother wave that follows that, that follows that season of opposition. And so if you've come up against something, I don't want you just to take every obstacle as you know, a sign from God that, see, I told you I wasn't supposed to do, I told you I'm not called, like I told, see God, I, you got the wrong, no, please, 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 because those things are bound in death. If they happen to him, then it's probably gonna happen to you. So listen, don't allow, but allow those things to propel you forward. Last thing. If you're going to protect the dream, if you're going to protect the dream, adopt a posture, surround yourself with some good people, 
Embrace the persecution. And the final thing is allow the preparation to take place. Allow the preparation to take place. Here um, we have this story in Matthew chapter 26 where there's this woman and she comes and she anoints Jesus with oil. And the symbolism of this is so rich. The symbolism of this is so beautiful because really what she was doing, the disciples didn't understand it. And that's the thing about some of your good friends, okay? Some of your good friends, they're going to get around you and they're just going to defend you all the time. You know, they're just going to say, hey, come on, what, you know, you know, if you've got a friend that's ready to do that for you, invite them to your birthday party. That's a good friend, okay, you know? But you got, you got people that are around you, they're just going to defend you. And they're like, no, you're, you know, and you, you know, and, and so the disciples, sometimes that's what they do, right? They're just like, they, they misunderstand things. They don't quite get it. They don't quite, you know, and Jesus is like, no, 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 no. What this girl's, this is beautiful. This is beautiful because it's actually symbolic. Because the symbolism here is though Jesus is still alive, he's being prepared, he's being prepared for his burial. That's the symbolism that happens in this story. Is that his body is being prepared just like other, pre, the other dead bodies would be prepared. His body, is, so the symbolism of this story is so rich. Where he's saying, see guys, look, 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 look. This is, I'm telling you. In just days from now, they're going to come and they're going to take me away. Just days from now, I'm telling you, everything that my father has dreamt for me, everything that I have come to be, I'm telling you, we're just, we're moments away. And what this woman's done, this is beautiful, this is good, and I'm telling you, I have been prepared, I am being prepared right now for, listen, listen to me, if you're going to protect the dream, make sure that you prepare yourself for when it comes. And allow the anointing to take place. Allow people to come alongside you and lay their hands on you and to impart things into you. See, there's, there's friendship. There's friendship with, with people. But there's mentorship in preparation. Difference. There's friendship with people. Those are the people that are going to, you know, and we got, you know, and, and cutting off people's ears, you know, and all that. Like those, those are your friends, you know, those are your homies. You ride and die, you know, whatever. And so that's, those, that's, those are your boys, those are your girls, you know, you know, and uh, yeah. So that, but that, that's, that, those are people, those are friends. Jesus had friends. He had people that he did ministry with. But the preparation, preparation, that's where we find mentorship. So allow, just like Jesus allowed this woman, allow people to come alongside you and pour things out over you and to pour things into you and to prepare you for the cross that you've been called to for yourself. And I don't know what it is that your cross looks like. I don't know exactly what it is that God has called you to carry, but I do know this, that in you being faithful to it, it's going to accomplish his great commission. Because that's what this is all about. This is not about your dream, but this is about his dream for you. So you need to protect it. So you adopt a posture. You surround yourself with people. You embrace the persecution. But you also allow the preparation. And so that's, these are the, like every altar call you're running to the front. You know, it might not even have anything to do with you. You know, it could be, you know, all the ladies in the place, if you just want to come forward, and here comes the guy. He's like, no, the altars are open, I'm coming, you know. Like, you just, you, just, you just want to be prepared. You're just throwing yourself, you know, at the feet of Jesus, and you're just you're always ready to engage with him, and, and you're seeking out mentorship. 
You're going and you're finding people that you've looked up to. You're going and finding people that you, you see things in and on. And you're, hey, can I, can I just get close to you? Could, I, could you just put your hands on me and just pray for me? And would you, listen, I just want you to know that I, I did this unintentionally. I didn't even realize what I was doing. But I, I just, over time, I just tried to find people, you know, and, and, that have been so kind and so generous and have poured into me, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. But all of these things have enabled to help us to protect the dream. But I need to tell you this, because otherwise I'm not telling you the whole story. That there will come a day where you are standing in the center of your dream. All the things that God imparted into you last night are all the things that have come alive again over the last 19 hours. You know, all these things, where all this is happening. And I just want you to know that just because you're standing in the center of the promised land doesn't mean that it's easy. Look at the milk. Look at the honey. Look at it all. There's clusters of grapes. This is fantastic. It's still work. For my wife and I, our dream was always to go and to revitalize a church. To step into something that perhaps nobody else would touch and to do everything that we possibly could to love it back to life. I've been standing in the center of my dream for the last two years and the last two years have been some of the most difficult years of my life personally and in ministry. Because all these things that I had neglected to deal with, some of the preparation that I had avoided, some of the persecution that I, uh, that I allowed to get to my soul, well, it's now come to the surface. And so I've had to go and find help, and I've started sitting down with a counselor, and we're on a first-name basis now, and his name's Bruce, and he's, the, he's just a gift. Like, he's, he's one of my people, you know, and he's just so kind to me, and he, but he asks me really good questions, and, you know, I pay him money, so I, I'm not wasting time, you know, and so, but he's been so kind to me, and he's been so good because I've been standing in the center of the promise, and things always haven't seemingly been good. But I need you to know that even though things perhaps might not seem good, even though perhaps things might not seem to go good, you need to understand that He is good. I'm going to say it again. Even though right now things might not seem to be going good, even though perhaps right now it doesn't seem as though everything is good, you need to know that He is good. That all the time God is good. That He is faithful. That He's kind. That He's merciful. That He's just. That He's all those things. So we've been talking to you over the last, you know, number of hours about your dream and all these fun things. And this is on the power and the promise and this is how to protect it. But I just want, that's not the end destination. He's like, okay, made it, got it, got it. I'm here, started from the bottom. But now, this is it. No, because there, from that place, well, there's a whole new viewpoint. There's a whole new vantage point. There's things off in the distance that you never even thought to dream for that all of a sudden you begin to dream for. And there's new dreams, and there's new things, and there's new giants, and there's new opportunities. There's new obstacles, but there's new chances. There's new salvations, and there's new souls. The thing about that is you never finish this. You just keep going. And so as you keep going, I just want to encourage you to keep marching. I want to encourage you to keep making noise. I want to encourage you to keep dreaming. And I'm going to throw in another P for you just for free. It is perseverance. I encourage you to keep going. I encourage you to persevere. Right before the night that Jesus is betrayed, he's in the garden. He's in the garden. He's asked his friends, he's asked his people to be on watch and to pray. And he's gone back and they can't even stay awake. And 
we hear this moment of just beautiful vulnerability, probably the most humanizing moment that we read about in Scripture. When it, and Jesus is pleading with his father. And he says, Dad, if there's another way that you can do this, if you could just take this cup that's been poured out and portioned to me, if you could just take this dream and maybe pass it to somebody else, I'd greatly appreciate it. But we can almost sense that in that moment, as Jesus is articulating this, as he's writing this out, as he's explaining this to God, he comes to the realization and he comes to the revelation that I ain't gonna work that way, that he is the answer. And he says, nevertheless, nevertheless, Dad, all that, not my will, but yours be done. My God, if we could have a generation that isn't about their will, but it's about his will, we could see some amazing things take place. If we had a generate, if you were willing to lead the charge, I'd happily follow you. If we could lead a charge where we're all about kingdom business and less about building empires. Hey, if we could just be about those things. I want to encourage you, friends, to persevere. I want to encourage you to persevere. I want to encourage you to adopt a posture to surround yourself with good people, to embrace the persecution, and to allow the preparation to take place. And from that place, press on to whatever cross it is. Daily, deny yourself. Take up the cross that God has for you and march in a direction that he has called you towards. There are lives, there are souls, there are families, there's communities, there's high schools, there's orphans, there's widows that need you to be faithful in this season. And I say that intentionally to put some measure of pressure on you because I know that that pressure can be lifted the moment that you allow the Spirit in so that He can enable you to accomplish as Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 says exceedingly beyond anything that you ever hoped for or imagined could come to pass in and through your life would you stand with me? Let's not make the mistake, let's not make the mistake of, of reducing the life and death and resurrection of Jesus to merely being a mission. But as Pastor Jeremy has talked about, this wasn't just an opportunity that Jesus was extended. This was an appointment, an appointment that was penned in heaven. And so long before he ever commissioned us to do anything great, he embodied that great commission. And you and I are charged with the responsibility to follow and tow. So listen to me. Get a God dream. Okay? Get a God dream that would change your language so that you would adopt the terminology and phrasing. Man, wouldn't it be terrible? Man, wouldn't it be so bad? It would be so bad if I didn't if I didn't accomplish the dream that God has for me and then protect it. Protect it with your posture. Protect it with your people. Embrace persecution and any obstacle that comes, see it as an opportunity and allow the preparation to take place. Allow the preparation to take place. We're so quick, we're so quick to curse the valley, but that's where we find the nourishment that's needed and necessary for the climb. Mountaintop moments are so rare and so fleeting in ministry, but it's in the valley, it's in the shadows of, of all these things that we destined to climb. That's where we find the nourishment, that's where we find the sustenance, that's where we find the strengthening, that's where we find that's necessary to quicken us, to enable us to make the climb that Jesus has called us to. Listen, stop cursing the valley, stop cursing the season of preparation, stop complaining about being prepared. 
but embrace it. Embrace the mentorship. Embrace the anointing. And embrace the weight so that you can actually make the climb in record pace. And listen, things don't have to be good. Things don't have to go good. Because he is good. He is good. Come on all across this place. I want you right now just to open up your arms if you feel comfortable. Open up your arms. And this is just talk, just talk to God. Just say, hey God, you know, I know there's these things that you've put in my heart. These things that you've, you know, I want to go to great lengths to protect them. I think right now maybe God's going to point out some people to you, maybe even in this room that you need to go and seek after and ask them to mentor you, ask them to pour into you. Maybe you've got to go and you've got to start being a better friend to somebody. So you, maybe you can go and find a few other guys or a few other girls. You can start meeting for coffee once a month and asking each other good questions and coming alongside each other and protecting each other and encouraging one another. Maybe there's a moment where you felt persecuted and you're just beginning to realize now by the gift of the Spirit to actually interpret that a little differently than perhaps you did before. That this was actually for your setup, not a setback. there's a new posture that he wants you to adopt. Maybe there's a new posture that he wants you to adopt. He wants to break you perhaps of that pride, of that arrogance or whatever it is that perhaps you might carry or sometimes gets in the way. He wants you to adopt a mentality and a heart of service, surrender, and submission. Good news, you're in great company. These are the same tactics that Jesus used so that he could accomplish everything that his dad sent him to do. Come on, all across this place. Go ahead. Just talk to Jesus. We talked about it this morning. Initiate. Come on. Initiate the affection. Come on, don't wait for them to sing. and Don't wait for God to stretch himself out. He's already here. Just initiate the affection. Just go ahead. Come on. Nothing does the daddy's heart better than just having these kids just run after him. Talk to him first. I told you, I've just started experiencing this, and it's changing my life. It's changing my life. It's changing. I've talked to God more, and I've told him how much I love him more the last week since my son started doing it to me than I've ever done before. Come on, go ahead. Go ahead. Come on, initiate it. Come on, initiate the engagement. Come on, initiate the engagement. Come on, Jesus, you're so good. Come on, value this. Value the dream. Invest in the dream. Protect the dream. Honor box the dream. The calling, the commissioning, the great commissioning that God has called you to. Come on, make sure you wrap it up. Protect it. Come on, invest in it. Value it above everything else. Value it more than anything else. Put a hard hat on it. Make it wear golf shoes out the door. Do whatever you can do to keep it safe. 